Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, we have a guest today who is doing really cool things with their career. And I just want to jump in and introduce you to Garrison Wynn. Now, Garrison is a professional speaker, and I first had the opportunity to see him speak a decade ago before I ever got into this business. I sort of had my toe in the water. I was speaking a little bit, but I remember going to an event, and I believe it was sponsored by Oracle, and the keynote speaker was Garrison Wynn. And I remember sitting in the audience and going, wow, that guy is captivating and he was funny and he had content and so I sort of followed his career for a decade and you know I haven't spent a lot of time with him but recently we were at the National Speakers Association conference together and I got to have a conversation with him and you know he's a big thinker and he likes to push people a little bit he kind of pushed me a little bit about my own career and I actually like that because most people just go oh you're doing so great but I love it when people sort of give you that little shove and I thought you know he's the type of person we have to bring onto cool things entrepreneurs do because this is what we're all about. We need to push each other in this little community. So welcome Garrison Wynn to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Thomas. Really glad to be here. I've never been introduced as pushy, but I'll take it. I will take it. <laughs> I wasn't, it wasn't a bad type of pushy. That was complimentary. I like I'm taking it. I like complimentary it. pushy. So Thank Gar- you. So Garrison, Thank I you. gave a little bit of an idea of what you do, but could you please sure. tell the audience who you are and, and what your business is all about? Yeah, well, I'm Garrison Wynn, and uh, this is my 21st year speaking professionally. And what, what I do, people say, what do you do? I like speaking conventions for a living. That's a short answer. And uh, my topic is influence and how that relates to you know leadership, change management, generational differences, customer service or sales, uh, or safety, as a matter of fact. And, and I partner uh, with Evolve Performance Group, who's formerly of Gallup, and, uh, and they work with Gallup as well. And uh, we take employee surveys and create solutions for employee and client engagement. Um, so I speak at conventions. I do anywhere from 75, 80, 90, 100 events a year. And uh, my information is backed by that research. And my focus is on people being personally influential, that being the platform for anything else they do. So, so that's fascinating. But you didn't like go to college saying, I want to be a motivational speaker. What sort of led you into this career? What, what did you do before and how did you get into this line of work? Well, yeah, I'm really out of college, um, I ended up going into an open mic at a comedy club and I ended up being a professional stand-up comedian, which was not really the plan. Um, I mean, I just, I got, it was weird. I got lucky. I just walked in, I did an open mic and in nine months I was earning a living, which is not common by the way. So that was a lot of that was luck, I think uh, for sure. And I did that and then ended up back in corporate America, uh, you know, uh, I guess eight, six, seven, eight years later. And I had an interesting experience. I, I would work for a company. I had an entry-level job. I had one guy did a terrible job. He was horrible. Then they replaced you know, uh, him with me. And then my boss screwed up and screwed up his job. And I ended up being a, on a VP team of a Fortune 500 company. And I was 27 years old. So really, again, lucky. And uh, then I went to work for some smaller companies after that. I could kind of was able to write my own ticket a little bit. And then went in, but decided I was going to be speak professionally for a living. I guess that would have been in 95, yeah. 
So you actually had some time as a stand-up comic, and actually I, yep. run, I run into speakers every now and then who have either done that or later in life gone and, and studied comedy. How important do you think it is if you're going to go into the world of being a speaker to be funny? I think these days it's really funny, but there's two different kinds of funny. I want to make sure that we understand, to, 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 you know, comedy is truth only faster. If you're telling true stories that are interesting, people can relate to, the audience will laugh and there's some levity and all that. That's not the same thing as being able to just pop the room in a very big way because you were pro stand-up. So there's some of us that have a gigantic advantage to that. So there's no doubt it's a big advantage when you can really just deliver good information and hit that room hard. So I, I can make them laugh like the humorous they had or the comedian they had last night, but then also deliver the content. So I think it's a, a huge advantage and I think I'm, I'm lucky to have that for sure. So when you were in corporate America, you know, you obviously made that decision to leave, you know, working for, for companies. What was right. it that sort of pulled you back out into doing something on your own? Was there, was uh, there always a ping to want to be an entrepreneur? Well, actually very simple. Situation. I got tired of making other people rich. <laughs> That was the, the big deal. I, here's what happened. I developed a product and marketed a product that became an industry standard worldwide and then eventually was mandatory by law. And I got a $50,000 commission on a product that earned $500 million. I'm not going to do that again. I left. There's no way. <laughs> so that, that, I'm not going to do I'm not going to be the guy that got paid the least amount of money for the biggest deal the company ever had and sit in that desk and be that guy. I'm not going to do that. So now, so, yeah, so that, yeah. now that you've been working for yourself for 21 years, mm -hmm. what is it that you absolutely love about the life you've created? I think the freedom uh, and job security. I can only fire myself. I've almost done that once, but I can only fire myself. You know, I mean, that's the truth. Um, I mean, I like the freedom. Uh, you've got great job security and you can kind of do what you want and kind of create your own thing. So I think those two things, freedom, job security, and like I say, if, if, if I get fired, I've done it to myself. So I would let, my, I would let myself go, but so over I, the, I like that. That's the big thing for me. Over the 21 years, have you ever had days where you thought, what the heck am I doing? I wish I had stayed in corporate America? No, not really. Um, because though how I left, you know, um, I gave a one day notice to corporate America, by the way. I was pretty upset and left, but yeah, I don't think so. I will say that the, what's tough about being an entrepreneur is that things matter more than they should, and it's hard to be an objective when you're a business owner. You can be an overly emotional manager, you know, because every dollar is your dollar, you know. So, so in other words, it's like if, if every dollar is your dollar, I think you're not objective enough, and that can be very tough. And I think that's why business owners kind of really have a hard time sometimes. Um, so what I try to do is I, I have somebody else make day-to-day -day decisions. After I was in business for about four or five years for myself, and I'd been very fortunate and pretty successful, I just hired somebody else, and eventually I've got a staff, and now I just don't make day-to-day -day decisions, and I don't look at financials all the time. I think it's easy for a business owner to look at the money, take on the day-to-day -day decisions, and then, you know, uh, I, I, so I think that's the toughest thing to manage is to make sure I'm just, you know, not – overreacting to what's going on, you know, but uh, your business is not necessarily day to day. You know? And I think being a, a leader can be day to day. And if you're, if, if everything is, in other words, if they mess up for 10,000 bucks and it's my 10,000 bucks, well, that's different than corporate America. Right? <laughs> so there's a lot of different types of people who listen to this show. There's solopreneurs, which a lot of speakers and consultants are. There's people who have a small business with, with a small staff. And then there's people who are trying to grow a big, a bigger company. So you right. have several people who work for you. What right. is the biggest challenge in managing and hiring and, and keeping people? 
Well, I think you, you you have a tendency to try to hire people who are a jack of all trades a little bit, and that doesn't necessarily work that well for growth. I mean, it seems like a great idea, but I found that I got to have a couple of one-trick ponies. I have a guy who's been with me for the for 20 years, and he's got one trick. Everything else he does, not so, not so good, but he's got one trick, but it's just a damn good trick. I mean, he's extremely good at building relationships and really good at getting people to see him as the person they want to do business with, and it's tremendous for us. But I have to get somebody to back him up because the other party doesn't do very well. I've got another person that's very creative and makes good decisions on what to do. And they, you know, they, they've got good vision and they understand things very, very well, but they're a little bit error prone. I've got to have somebody else to kind of compensate for that. So I I think that I've learned that you got to have a couple of one trick ponies and maybe a jack of all trades, but everybody cannot just be, we love to say cross training and everybody's can do each other's jobs. I found that to be great. You can't have all of that. So if someone's listening to the show and, and they're kind of excited by the fact that you gave one day notice and just went out on your own, if somebody right. says, you know, I'm fed up, I've, I, I, I get it. I've been where Garrison was. Yeah. What advice do you have for somebody who wants to go start their own thing, whether it's being a, a speaker or a consultant or they want to teach guitar lessons, just somebody wants to go out and forge their own path in the world. What's the best advice you have? The best advice is is to kind of figure out where you're going to actually go and what you're going to actually do and knowing what success actually looks like. In other words, to have some kind of a plan. I did have a plan about what I wanted to do. I had an idea of what success would look like when I got there. Um, you know, so I, I, that's what I did. I, I had an idea. I, 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 at that point, I wanted to go out and speak. I was going to do like a training company and I'd been doing some training internally and I just really I had an idea about what I wanted to do, and I really wanted to do it badly. And, and but the key was I really was done with corporate America. I think when you're done, you're done. And what, what are you going to do? I, I did not want to work for anybody else anymore. I, I'd done a lot of things with corporate America that were really powerful and effective and could get no leverage for myself with it. I was literally putting, you know, 99% of the money in else's pocket, and I was not g- gaining anything from it. And, and actually, unfortunately, I also didn't get uh, – that would give me a bigger pat on the back would have helped. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the uh, business you chose to go into is kind of quirky, right? I mean I've lived my oh, life yeah. for seven years as a, as a professional speaker. And if we were to line up 10 professional speakers at various levels of success, from moderately successful to very successful, you would have 10 different paths of how they got there. So when you started, oh, sure. when oh, you yeah. started your business, did you have – like some mentors? Did you have people who you who you followed, who you emulated, or, or how did you carve this path? You know, and I wish that I did. And that's why I'm a mentor today. I didn't have a mentor. I was in a vacuum. It was very difficult for me. I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know anyone who was really doing it. And I mean, I had ideas, you know, about you know, there was there was Zig Ziglar and Les Brown, you know, out there. And, 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 and there were other people who were speakers, but I didn't know them or, or really. And I was just I, I'd been a professional stand-up. I'd been a business person. I'd spoken internally at corporate meetings, right? And um, we'd done. We actually sold products and then trained people on how to explain the value of those products. So I had some experience in that way, but I really didn't have a mentor. I literally started trying to blend, you know, some comedy with some some points. And I went out and on, on really badly low-paid speaking engagements. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I went out and they paid me fifty bucks, which and I was probably overpaid the first time I spoke. I was probably worth I was probably worth forty bucks. Um, so yeah, so I did that, and um, I really just you know people say how do you become a professional speaker? Well, I I I spoke 
and, and, and got good enough until people asked me how much I charge. And I told them I did some free speeches in the beginning, for sure. I literally went through a book of meetings and called up and said, do you have a speaker? Do you ever? And they go, yes. Some were free, some were paid. And I, and I, I would fax them back in those days. I faxed them by one page. So how important then in a business that is kind of quirky and different, how important are like the business relationships? Has that been something, you know, both with clients, with other speakers or these things that have been helpful to you? How important is networking? Well, networking, it's, it's funny you ask that there's a, you know, networking is interesting. So I'll say this, it can be good, but beware of networking lunches where the guy gives you three business cards you know what I mean? Who, who, two of which he made himself with his business card maker in his own, you know, his own bedroom where his business is. There's a lot of people there who, if, if somebody gives you five business cards, they're not doing very well. That, that's just a struggle. And there are a lot of people out there that just can't help you. And a lot of those kind of networking lunches are just full of people who are struggling. And that is really not. There, there are people there who really can't help you. So I think you have to really pick your networking opportunities. Uh, you know, you, you have to find people who really have at least some of what you really want. You know, my dad always said this, and this is awful, but I'll try to I'll try to interpret my dad. <laughs> my dad's a retired CEO. My dad said that 75 percent of everybody's an idiot. Now, I think what he was trying to say through his inherited elitism <laughs> is that the vast majority of people can't really help you much. Even the ones who are in your business, they either won't help you. And there are associations out there that are actually so afraid they're going to create their competition that when you go there to the breakout session, the person teaching won't even tell you what they do. And I've been through that. That's awful. And there are people out there who simply don't know what's important. So their efforts are just misplaced. And I think that what you really have to do and what I eventually was, I was look, I've tried to, I found some people that really were doing something similar to what I wanted to do. I don't know that I got any mentorship from them, but at least I identified them And, uh, you know, I went to some NSA meetings, which at first were not helpful a bit, but eventually I did get some stuff from NSA and I got NSA helped me connect to other people to see what they were actually doing. So it was very helpful in that way. But I think I had to really handpick people and be very careful because I think in the beginning I did get some networking situations where I realized I was around people that probably were never going to go anywhere because they didn't understand how to get there at all. And I've, I had a lot of people in the beginning trying to show me how to be successful when they had no success. So I had to, I had to handpick people, I think. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And, and that is one of the things is that you can't network with everyone because, you know, not everyone wants to create sort of what I call that, that, that mutually beneficial long-term relationship. And you Exactly, know, exactly. You know, and, so not everybody's and, well, I think, a perfect I fit. think we can learn something from almost everybody, but you just have to kind of, a, 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 I mean, not, that is not what you necessarily need to learn. You have to kind of identify things. So in having watched you for, you know, around a decade, the one thing I would say, and this is just an outsider's, you know, opinion. The one thing I would say is that you've been very aggressive about sales and this topic of sales. We talk a lot here on cool things entrepreneurs do. Because I believe at the end of the day, you're a salesman first. I tell everybody I'm a professional speaker, but I got to sell it first. So let's talk a little bit about your sales philosophy because I think you've done a really good job. You're more successful than a lot of people. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think from the outside looking in, you're very focused on selling. So is that true? Yeah, my my corporate America experience was in sales and marketing, Um, some product development, really a lot of sales and marketing. So I I came into it from that perspective. And there's two things. Sales and marketing are separate, but they're also together. So in in pure sales, uh, you have to ask real life sales questions. I mean, if you're talking to someone 
and it's about a possible speaking engagement, you just pretty much have to say, you know, here's my fee. Does that fit your budget? And you got to stop talking, let them say something. If you're not doing that, it's very difficult to consistently close business. I see a lot of people and even bureaus and all that that struggle with closing deals. I mean, are you willing to say, you know, okay, this sounds like a good fit. So here's the fee. Does that, does that fit your budget? Is that, is, that, is that something that you can actually afford to pay? And then stop talking. And they're going to say yes, no, or maybe. So unless you're getting a yes, no, or maybe, it's very difficult to, to close deals. And the guy that's been with me for 20 years is in a sales position. And that's all he does all day long is field leads and talk to people and try to close deals. And um, we find that uh, a telephone call, he gets a telephone call, and like I did in the beginning, and basically, if, they're, if, if we find out that they've got the, they're interested, they've seen you, they've, they've got a budget, they've got an event, they've got a date, you know, they've got all that in place, we try to close the deal right then and there on the phone. I mean, we just go for it. And we've been very, very successful in doing that. I would say that if you talk to Jeff, who works with me, Jeff would probably say, you know, he's Jeff is going to one call close a deal. It depends on the market, what the market's doing. This time of year, there's a lot of stuff coming in uh, because of September and October. So he, he's going to one call. He, I, I don't know. I have to talk to him. He probably one, he probably one, close, one call closes a deal twice a week, once a week, twice a week. So crossing industry lines, crossing industry lines away from just speakers, what advice right. do you have to get people focused on sales? Because I think that's what you're good at. Right. Well, number, number one, to be focused on sales, you have to admit to yourself you're in the selling business. You're a sales organization. You know, if you can't sell it, you're not in business. Without sales, you have absolutely nothing. So if you're focused a whole bunch on other stuff and you're not focused on sales, you will eventually be out of business. Unless you've got the keys of the kingdom and people, you know, are just crazy hot for what you have, it's going to be difficult. Then long term, the competition will come and they'll outsell you. So number one, are you going to admit that to yourself that you've got to be in sales? And number two, again, are you willing to close? Ask you ask questions that you know you you, you explain things. You clearly explain the value of what they have to offer, and you could only do that if you know exactly what they actually value. So if you can find out with great consistently what your customers value overall, and then what the individuals value, and ask those questions that bring that value to light, then. You can say, hey, this is what you value. Well, what you value is what I'm talking about. And here is how we do it and be extremely clear. I think a lot of people in sales try to impress people with their products. They want to be impressive. And the top salespeople are not impressive. You just say, you know, here's here's the bottom line. Here's what it is. Does that sound like something that will solve your problem? And you have to get people to say yes, no, or maybe. So kind of what I said before. It's just I think that's the main thing. Does that make sense? That's just oh, very yeah. simple. And um, people overcomplicate things. No, and I, I think that's right. And it's a topic that comes up over and over again on this show is we have to remember if we're going to have a business, we're in sales first. I think that most people are literally afraid to say, you have any questions or concerns What about what I said? And when they say no, they're people, well, if you have no questions, concerns, we can go ahead and get a contract over to you right away. Yeah. And then just stop and just stop talking. The next person who talks leaves with the product, either you or the customer. Well, and I got a piece of advice when I was a young salesman is, I, I, you know, back in the day when you went in with a cardboard folder with little one sheets about, you know, the, the features and benefits of the product and service. And the guy basically said he wanted it. And I brought out my next sheet and I, I was like 24 years old. And the CEO right. of this company said, stop, I'm going to give you a piece of advice I never want you to forget. When the client says, I'll buy, you pull out a contract, not That's the next right. feature. And I was like, That's exactly right. I was horrified that he said that to me, but I've never forgotten it. 
Well, one thing we do when people say we're not ready for a contract yet, and this is like I say, this is what Jeff does. This is not my style, but it works for him. And it works really well. They say, we're not ready for a contract. And Jeff will go, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to send you a contract. I'm like, what? Because I'm going to send you a contract, but don't sign it. I just want you to see what it looks like to get an idea. Other people who do what we do have similar contracts. They kind of all are similar to this, but I want you to have it. We're going to send you some information. Here's a pre-programmed questionnaire. He sends them information like it's a deal. That's so they advice. actually possess everything they need to close the deal. Ah, that's good. And that's, that's been really successful. I, I, and it always freaked me out even that I, I don't want a contract. Well, I'm going to send you a contract. And like, Jeff, you're doing exactly what they asked you not to do. But what he's doing is he, don't, don't please. he goes, whatever you do, don't sign. I don't want you to sign the contract. Don't sign it. You know, you said you're not ready yet. You're still looking. I understand that. Take it. Understand it. We'll send you a pre-group questionnaire. So if you do decide to choose us, which, of course, I think you should. That's Jeff always says, I think you should definitely choose us. We'd like you to choose us right now. But if that's not what you want to do, look at the information. Take the contract. You make a decision, you'll have all the information there. If you have any questions, you know, um, feel free to call me. And if it's okay, he says, I'll touch base with you next week. <laughs> no, I think that's good. That's, he's, he's a salesman salesman. Yeah, he's got the right. And I, I, he says I taught him everything he knows. I think he knows more than I taught him. <laughs> I would never say, oh, you don't want a contract? Well, here it is. It works for him. <laughs> We're sending it to you anyway. Anyway. Hey, hey I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, sure. I got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Garrison Wynn. If you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Garrison, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Well, you know, we've uh, partnered uh, with people from Gallup. And, you know, and in, in it's an interesting basically how this works. So we've done a lot of cool things. And recently what we're doing is we're developing some coaching service in it, like a web show. And a web show is a webinar that's not boring where you want to lose the will to live when you're on it, but that's what a web show is. <laughs> and um, basically, it's about presentation and communication skills based on being realistic on how what, what human behavior really is and how you can affect that human behavior. A lot of communication is based on how we wish people were. There's a lot of false information about how people are and about character and all this stuff. None of it's true a bit, but we believe that stuff. This is about, let's take a look at how, what we know about people. We can measure and really know about people and then how to communicate with them from that level. And so basically CEOs and speakers, consultants, salespeople, parents, and 15-year-old girls who want more likes on YouTube will all want what we have to offer. And, uh, and if it's half as good as it sounds, we'll be tremendously successful. So we're going to do these web shows and some coaching stuff and recorded sessions and videos on this. And basically, we're going to teach people how to be more influential and how to understand personal influence and how to understand human behavior and match those two things together. We find a lot of people who talk about communication just don't have the real information about human beings. And I'll give you an example. You know, um, we love to say that certain people are this way and certain people are that way. And at a certain level, someone behaves a certain thing. 
But the truth is it's all circumstantial. People can be about as loyal as their options. Unfortunately, it's how people kind of are. And uh, what I said in my book, The Real Truth About Success, if you took Mother Teresa, God rest her soul, and you locked her in a room and didn't feed her for three weeks, she'd come out of there and kick your ass for a loaf of bread. That's the truth. <laughs> so that's really, <laughs> that's just how people can be. And so being realistic about them really allows you to, to, to explain what's valuable. It really allows you to communicate, have great clarity, and get buy-in on your ideas. So uh, we're really excited about it. And uh, that's launching, you know, we're in the beginning stages, but we've got a lot of support and a lot of people extremely interested in this. And we started out with speakers. It was called In Demand, our speaker series. Now we've got what's called In Demand Influencer, and that's what this is. So I'm really excited about that. That's new and super cool. So if people want to find out more, is there some place they can go or is there a way to get on your mailing list so that they'll get the information when it launches? What I would do is I would send an, uh, an, an simple, simply send an email if you like directly to me, and that's at Garrison um, I'm Garrison uh, uh, W N. That's Garrison W N. Garrison W W Y N N at gmail.com. That's my direct. You send it to Win Solutions. My assistant gets it. And you won't, I won't see it. But the reason I say that is, is we're we're like literally not launching it yet. Um, we're not. We have our marketing and we've done it. We've done the webinars and for just for professional speakers, we have not launched the overall thing yet. So it is not available in any way, shape or form, but it will be soon. So if you send us an email um, or you can actually just go to my website, um, garrisonwind.com and fill out, you know, uh, the little lead box and just ask for information on in demand. The minute that we're ready, we'll send it out to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, Garrison, we could talk about you and the successful two-decade career as a professional speaker that you have built. And and that's pretty impressive because most people who come into this business don't build a 20-plus year career. And so we could talk about that for another hour. However, I think some of the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask the people who come on this show to tell me who you admire or who you see out there where you think, wow, that person, they're, they're just crushing it. Well, I won't name an individual, you know, and there's a reason for that because it's, uh, and I'll explain myself. There's some guys out there that I'm really, that, and again, a couple of women as well as men and women out there. I, I like, really like what they're doing and speaking. They're very much loose cannons. Most of them are tech speakers, by the way. They're very loose cannons. And it's not really working right now because people, you know, just, they don't like the uncoded truth and are easily offended these days. It's a, that's just how people are, right? You know, p- there are times in history we've become more sensitive than others. We're kind of at a sensitive time now. So I don't think it's work. I know bureaus won't book them, and there are people who've gotten offended and all that. But I'm telling you, these people are very, very direct. And I'm very direct, but they're they're more direct than I am, and they're really telling the truth. And it's extremely helpful. To, there are people who get a lot from uh, just getting really honest about things and just very direct and not trying to sugarcoat things. I'm seeing these speakers out there, and I'm, I'm impressed. I say it's not working because they are struggling. These people may not make it, but they're laying the groundwork, I think, for the future of speakers. And that is a lot of these days, and that includes me too, you get from an audience and there are certain things you're afraid to say, but they're very helpful, you know? They're very helpful, but yet the meeting planner doesn't really want you to say it, and, and you know, it, it's just kind of tough. Does that make sense? And I'm seeing some people out there right now, man, they're really letting it fly. And I think, <laughs> I think that is going to be the next thing. Well, I'm very, very impressed with it. You bring up an interesting, an interesting topic, and it sort of, you know, goes back to the way I sort of introduced you. So you don't pussyfoot around. 
I mean, you no. kind, you kind of call it like it is, and some people, you know, that rubs some people the wrong way. Like you said, with these people you you admire, you know, some people are, are rubbed the wrong way by them, and this oh, is yeah. true, you know, in every aspect of life. I've seen it in corporate America. You know, there's some people who you know need to take you know a breath sometimes before they say what right. they say, but oftentimes what they say drives the company forward. So no, it, it no, it really does, and that's the thing. The CEO comes up. And they love these people to no end. And they end up with all kinds of interesting situations from that. But speakers bureaus are not touching them with a 10-foot pole, and many people just won't book them. They'll speak, and they'll do a great job, and then they literally can't get another gig in the entire company. They're, they shut them out. So They're done. They're done. It's over. But, but that's now. I believe that they're laying the groundwork for people being realistic. In other words, if you're 25 years old, 24, 25 years old, you might be kind of sensitive right now, but, but this group of 25 year olds, give them 10 years and they're going to be, they're very open. I think some things will change, you know, in, in the world. And I think that we're ready uh, for that kind of thing. And I, I, I'm like I say, I'm very impressed with the courage. Uh, there's a guy out there. I don't, I don't want to name people cause that wouldn't be fair. There's a, there's a one guy out there who's a tech speaker and he is, boy, he's really telling like it is. And the CEOs and the, and if he's got a room full of business owners, they just love him. But corporate meetings and associations aren't going to touch him with a 10 foot pole. You know? Right. Right. So do you I mean, think, do yeah. you think people need to learn to be a little more blunt in general, not just on stage as a speaker, but in life, do you think it's good if, you know, we all just sort of take a breath and be a little more blunt? Well, you, you hate to say yes and no, but I mean, um, um, people don't choose what's best or they don't choose the truth. They choose what they're most comfortable with. What people really want to hear is what they kind of want to hear, what they're really comfortable with. I mean, you know, um, they're just I'm trying to give an example. If you were speaking to a group of realtors and you told realtors the truth that the people who make all the money don't show houses, half the audience is going to freak out. <laughs> The people, there, no one's making any money driving around showing houses. <laughs> that's the, that's, that, there's a room full of realtors that all make 6,000 bucks a year driving around showing houses. Uh, the, the, the people who make all the money don't, don't do that at all. So that's, you know, you can't say that at the National Association of Realtors. You can't say that at a realtor meeting. Right. You would offend people to no end. So you have to be very careful with that, that kind of thing. I mean, just there are certain things that are very true, but they're just not worth it. It doesn't help you to say it. It's not worth it. Um, there's another speaker who wrote my favorite, who wrote one of my favorite leadership books. He gets criticized to no end when he speaks and, and bureaus don't like him either. Um, but I just believe that we're just kind of in that bubble now. I think that we'll move past that. And these people are laying the groundwork. So, uh, you know, there's, I, I'm very direct, you know, I'm very, very direct, but, um, you know, I can tell you about my shortest, um, consulting gig, right? So I got hired by a company and they said, we want you to ask questions and find out what the problem is. I went back to the CEO and I said, I've talked to the entire staff and I've learned something. It's you. They hate you. <laughs> that was my shortest consulting gig. <laughs> he didn't like, he didn't want to hear that, did he? No, I'm sure it helped him tremendously, but I, I think I was, a, I was, my consulting gig lasted an hour and a half, but still, you know, hey, um, the, and it, yeah. the final question I ask everybody, because I think in addition to wanting to make a lot of money and we all want to do that, I think that right. people want to, they want to somehow, you know, leave a mark. They want to do something for the greater good. So what do you do? Well, you know, it, it's interesting you said that. I mean, I, that's a, a big question, you know, and I, and I, I you know, I, I would say that if, if you really ask me that question, I, 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 number one is I, I really, I do, I do mentor people, right. And I focus uh, on some mentorship 
And uh, I've got one mentee who is going to be me much more successful than I'll ever be. So I've actually created someone more successful than me, <laughs> which is disturbing, but it's interesting. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm proud of that, but also kind of freaks me out. But um, so, no, I, I, I've given some mentorship to someone. I, I met this person when they were like literally still in corporate America. They had nothing. And I work with them, work with them. I, I told them everything that I know is just they've got some advantages I don't have. And they're going to just just be better than me, better than me, more well-known than me, better all the way around. But and I think that's important. I think that that I think we're on the planet to help other people move forward. I mean, if if nobody gets any better than us, how does the world move forward? Right. How are we going to progress? That's just the, the, it's the foundation of civilization. You've got to make it better. The other thing that I do, I do some volunteer work that's anonymous that I can't go into, but I help young people who are struggling. Um, and I also, I speak at some events that are, you know, uh, Jeff will bring us an event every now and then and say, hey, Garrison, you got to consider doing this. And I look at it and I go, okay, well, yeah, it's a nonprofit. You know, uh, no one is talking to this group. No one's giving them the information that the you know private sector has or, 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 or a profit company has. So I've definitely helped those companies. I'm definitely all about that. And something that a lot of speakers do that they won't talk about on a show like this, and I'll just say it, you know, I get some gigs that I don't want to do that I, that I don't need to do, but you know, my guy gets a commission off of it. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to commission on the deal. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to, you know, I don't want to go to, you know, Anchorage again to do that deal. Um, but, uh, you know, this guy been with me for a long time and my people do things for me that, you know, they go out of their way for me. I go out of the way for them. You know, excellent. that makes sense. No, excellent. I love that part about, you know, mentoring people along the way, because that's one thing I never could have succeeded in this business if people hadn't, you know, taken that time. So I always take those calls. I just, another speaker just introduced me to somebody here in Austin and said, Tom would be a good person to have a cup of coffee with. And, you know, you can't do that with everybody, but it came through somebody I really trust. And my attitude is, Hey, if, if I'm the person who can help that person, that maybe was why I had that coffee that day. So, you know, I think you right. got to do that. And I mean, I'm glad you said that because for me, I will tell you, had I had a, a mentor, a good, or I was going to say good, any kind of a real mentor, um, I would have had a, a easier time getting to where I am. I, and I would have not made all the mistakes that I think I made in the first couple of years. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, so I, I realized the value of that. And I just want to, I want to, I want to do it because I know what it's like not to have one, you know? Right. That makes any sense. Well, no, it makes total sense. And and I, I make the joke that our business is, is somewhat quirky, but really all businesses are quirky. Oh, and Very true. And from the outside looking in, people think, oh, I want to be a locksmith. It, it's like this. But from the inside doing the job, it's like right. something totally different. And I think when you can have somebody who says, by the way, watch out for these pitfalls or be sure you're paying attention to these trends, it just makes the, the flow easier for the next person. There's, there's an old poem about, you know, someone who builds a bridge across a chasm and somebody right. says, why? Why are you doing that? You're old. You'll never come back this way. And the the end of the poem is I, I build the bridge for the young man who follows me. And I just That's right. I just screwed up the poem because it rhymes. But the whole idea is is that you build <laughs> you build the bridge for the next person. Well, I, I think that's really, really true. But one thing I'll say for sure that if it's a, a, a big takeaway from my interview today is this: is that I found that validation really is the foundation of everything. If you really want to be influential, you want to be great in sales, you want to treat people well, you want to be a good mentor, you want to be a good human, uh, people have to know that you value their existing knowledge before they're really going to listen to what you have to tell them. And a lot of people come off and want to be the expert and all this and do this and do that. But I found that, you know, you, know, you got to let people know that what they already know now has some value. Then they're willing to listen to you. They're willing to get buy in. And you can help people a lot more by 
identifying their own value and letting them know that you see it. So as simple as that is, it's just huge. Well, Garrison Wynn, we value you for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, once again, what's your website? How can they find you? Uh, They can go to garrisonwynn.com. That's garrisonwynn.com. And also, if they go to the website, um, if you go below like where the drop-down menus and the media stuff are, there's a little simple, old-fashioned red link, and you can click on that, and it says Employee Engagement Tool. There's a little video that it says uh, this mode or model. Click that little video, and it's about seven or eight minutes. It'll make you an instant expert on some of the stuff that I talk about. And so when your next meeting, you'll sound like an expert. If you do another great show like Tom's show, you can sound good on the show. So <laughs> it's designed specifically to, to get make people kind of an instant expert. It's developed by the researchers at Gallup, and it's fantastic. So Excellent. Well, again, thanks for being on the show, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened to this episode. I think you walked away with some good inspiration and some extra knowledge that maybe we didn't have before. Before we started the conversation, we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Garrison Wynn. But in the meantime, (laughs) in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.